And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 204, aka season 3, episode 24. Uh, coming at you this week, as always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with the returning MC. And since we do this show as a call-in, because you people just love calling in so very much, uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So how are you feeling, MC? Welcome back. Well, I'm recovering after uh, a lot of flying um, down to Acapulco. Mexico for a narcopolco. Yep. So yeah, it was kind of a, a neat experience. Um, I think they had the whole hotel uh, resort uh, just just for the narcopolco. So uh, if if you walk up to anybody, uh, you say, "Hey, are you an anarchist?" They go, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it, that's either a good thing or a bad thing, right? I mean, it's either a good thing that you guys are all together. And can keep an eye on each other, uh, sure. or a bad thing if anyone, if you know, if there was truly a hate crime uh, against anarchists with that one dude that got shot, you know, and killed a few weeks beforehand. Sure. Like, oh, uh, now we I know where they're all going to be. I don't think it was a hate crime against anarchists. I think it was uh, competition. But I don't know. Yeah, we sp- we we read the story and we speculated a little bit, and uh, I didn't. I haven't seen anything of newsworthiness come out you know, regarding that since then. So I think it's just one of those fly by night, you know, problems yeah. to scare people or that people and got they, scared of. And they did have quite a bit of uh, security around. Um, they had uh, uh, people with uh, walkie talkies um, so they could communicate if anything happened. Um, at one point, one of the anarchists jumped in the pool with nothing but his, uh, uh, whitey tidy underwears on and uh i guess the the staff didn't appreciate that <laughs> uh it's, what are you doing man it's better than you know it's well it's no as good as swim trunks i mean no it was it was see-through oh okay when it, when it got wet it was like it the was wet totally t-shirt contest okay. yeah yeah exactly it was like it was like and and it was like it's obvious like he's doing it to provoke people and and uh you know, and he thinks it's funny as hell. And you know. well, I kind of think people, it's funny as hell too. I I, I, I kind of do, but it I'm not I, offended. I, like I, I was, I wasn't offended or intimidated. It, it, it's like when when somebody else says, "Okay, yeah, you know, you had your fun, you know, but it's it's really not appropriate." Other people have their families, you know. We're trying to make this a good event for everybody, you know, not just you, you know. Just you know, please go you know, put some clothes on. He, and he's like, "Oh, okay," and then he runs right into the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. He pro- he probably had to go get ready for his speech on the the problems of community property. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> See, this behavior just demonstrates why all property must be private. Otherwise, things like this can happen. I, th- I think he was from Scotland or something. Oh, yeah. even better, because yeah. they yeah, give less guy. of a fuck than anybody else. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> and that's exactly the impression that I got. He just, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Those people are like born crazy. Yeah, about. yeah. So and by those people, I mean Scotsmen. Scotsmen are born crazy. Yeah. 
Anything else? Of no, I know you mentioned uh, at one point that you got to hang out with Jeff Berwick, uh, the most yeah, famous well, anarchist in Anarchapoco. Um, I, I, I sat down, or actually, he sat down next to me at the at at the bar the the night after everything was uh, settling down, and um, he was just talking with one of his uh, staff people, you know, just about work and you know things that went right and things that went wrong and and uh yeah so got to hear uh uh you know work talk basically yeah. um, so that was kind of fun and kind of boring at the same time but <laughs> um yeah so i didn't well, well the one thing i did talk to him about was uh, uh i guess uh stuff that he's he's talked about before in public um the, the threats against his life and stuff you know any type time you're a political uh youtube personality um people are gonna say say uh uh disgusting things to you so yes um so he he said uh you know he's never actually had anybody uh physically confront him uh and or even like say anything straight to his face so uh that's that that also makes sense because a lot of it is just you know internet yeah Yeah. (laughs) internet balls so be, you say whatever you want as long as you're hiding behind the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was good. Got to meet his dogs. <laughs> so he's got kind of um, I, man to be polite, a mixed reputation within like the anarchist and liberty community, based on prior transgressions, I guess. So. What was, you know, having, having met him in person and talked to him for a little bit, I guess, what was your general feeling of like, you know, Jeff Berwick, the man, as opposed to Jeff Berwick, the personality figure? Um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you cause I didn't have that much interaction with him. Okay. Um, but as far as I can tell, he's just, uh, he's just a dude doing his thing. Okay. So I, I didn't, I didn't get any, uh, uh, particular vibe uh that he you know uh yeah okay didn't, and didn't seem weird at all and an arcopoco was on the up and up i guess and there, i haven't yeah. read any complaints about anyone the, getting screwed out of anything or any uh... yeah so there there's uh, there was a this is hearsay but um there there was a a poker tournament in as part of the conference and um and someone said that while he was you know sitting at the table he 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 made a comment that Anarchopoco is a scam, right? Just right. No, well, that's no that's part of it. Yeah, no, no other context. Um, but I mean, if if you if you're going to an event like that and that and that thought didn't cross your mind, it probably should. You know, it's like, what are you doing here? You're here to see all the other people that you already follow on YouTube and and you know social media and politics and uh, so you, you already know what they're going to say right so i mean is it a scam okay you, you pay you know 500 bucks to uh to yeah. somebody else <laughs> well, <laughs> and what, every, would, what would the could, scam be like did well, he... everybody else could just go there and meet each other but yeah it's it's an event somebody else put a lot of work into setting up and coordinating so i that's why i say yeah it's not really a scam but um uh it, it's it was just curious coming coming from from him um obviously he might have some uh 
type of uh, feeling about it. Um, yeah. so, uh, self-conscious, like, you know, like, what am I doing? Like, is this, <laughs> am I yeah. providing a value to people or not? Uh, but you know, while, while I was sitting down next to him, um, he, he did uh, ask me the question, you know, do, you know, do you think, uh, you know, just, you know, positive and ne- negative was, was this a, a success or, or not? Was the whole event, you know, a, a positive success or not? And I said, yeah. no, it, it was a success and I got what I wanted out of it. So, uh, yeah. So in that way I would say it's not a scam. Yeah. Whatever. I, that's, that's why I think I would need more context on, you said the guy just blurted it out out of nowhere. I yeah. think I would need more context as to why he felt scammed, right? Like, did did the event not live up to expectations? No, right? I'm was saying it... Je- Jeff said it was a scam. Oh, really? Oh. So, yeah, that's that's, but no other context about, like, what they were talking about, I don't really know. He might have okay. just been joking or, you know, I, like, I don't know how he said it or what context. I thought it was someone it. else at the poker no. table commenting. No, Jeff said that. Um, that that Anarcho-Poco is a scam? Yeah, and that's... And that's like that's where interest. That's why it's interesting. But yeah, uh, that's a lot more interesting. Yeah, but like I said, no context. I don't know if you're just joking or or what other information was said around that uh, uh, that conversation. Um, it was just uh, like, and and I heard it from somebody else. I didn't hear it directly. So okay. Yeah, that's man. I don't even. I can't. Got. I need a minute to process that. Right. Because to, to me, like it would be a scam if he if he took if he sold all the tickets, and then didn't put on an event and then like disappeared with the money. Sure. Right. But you know if he if he sold all the tickets and then got you know speakers that were you know right uh, and all the, of a all certain the speakers, caliber. Speakers got paid. Um, staff got paid. So yeah, everything yeah. everything was good as far as I can tell. Yeah. I mean, it may not be like the best conference, you know, to attend. You may not have gotten exactly what, you know, what you thought you were getting. Like if you, the speaker you wanted to canceled at the last minute because, you know, the the, the murder fears or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. I still wouldn't, you know, I still wouldn't chalk that up as a scam. Like even sporting events go like card subject to change, right? Speakers subject to change uh, sure. at some point. And as, as long as it was, you know, done in good faith and, you know, people got what was you know, for the most part promised, right? You go to an event you get the hotel, you get the speakers, you get the events, you know, you get whatever, whatever amenities were included with that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think I'd chalk so, it up as a scam at all. So, and, and so I'll, I'll make the assumption that it, it was, it, he said it more in jest or as a joke Okay. Uh, at, you know, he's having fun at a, at a poker tournament and, and just was maybe was trying to throw somebody else off and be like, yeah, this whole thing's a scam, you know, <laughs> unless yeah. unless he feels like he's a shyster or like a you know a charlatan yeah, that, in some form of fashion but, but that's what which I'm he saying. has like, which he has a reputation for being so and but exactly and that's why i think you know at, at some, there's some level of him that, that maybe he thinks he's not living up to an expectation self-deprecating and that, maybe and yeah yeah and that's why he asked me while, while i was sitting down next to him you know so do you think this was a success or not yeah you know? that part if, seems I sincere. Have, if i would have said no then he'd be like yeah, I didn't try hard enough and, you know, I, you know, and I'm just doing this for the money or whatever, you know, he could have had yeah. some excuse, but I said, no, it was, I, I didn't, I, I thought it was success. And I, all the, all the speakers are here except for Judge Napolitano. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I got to see, you know, all the people that I wanted to see. So, um, yeah, I heard Ron Paul made an appearance at some point or yeah, Ron Paul, uh, he, he gave his, uh, typical, uh, Federal Reserve speech and 
you know, government spending too much and and that type of thing. Um, was he a booked speaker up front? Because it seems yes. like he just kind of made an appearance. Okay. No, he he was booked. Okay. Uh, he he was one probably the the most anticipated uh, speaker. Um, probably had the the biggest crowd. Um, yeah. Okay. So what was what would you say was your biggest takeaway from all the speakers? Because I feel like even even again with the the local speakers and and Liberty Forum and whatnot that goes on here. Like I was, I was listening to some of the interviews um, while I was at work, like um, you know, catching up on some free talk live, and again, I just, I, I always come to the conclusion in my own mind that everything that needs to be said has already been said, and none of these conferences add anything unique or valuable going forward, and I, I know I'm probably missing something along the way. So what well, do you think was the biggest like takeaway for you or lesson so, learned or Well, what so what it was is is exactly what it, what it what it says. It's it's a conference, right? And so it's it's a meeting of the minds. It's a meeting of all these different, you know, personalities and and uh, and so the, and so there's also different media personalities that are there also. And so they can they can get panels together and they can, you know, just uh, you know sitting on at, you know next to the bar or whatever uh strike up conversation and say hey you know maybe, maybe we should share ideas about xyz and uh so that's uh that's where its value is is uh it's just a place for all these people to meet uh, in, in person and and uh and figure out what to do next um so is is anything has anything uh uh, not been said before. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, well, yeah. Like, how much new was added to Ron Paul's end of Fed speech? <laughs> like, well, re- well, well, none. But and that's, <laughs> and that's why. And that's why I said he gave his his you know same old speech. Yeah. Um, so so more. It was just just you know people saying their their appreciation for what he did. Okay. Um, or if Judge Napolitano were there, like you know his return to yeah. the Constitution speech. Like what? Okay. Yeah, and I heard he gave. Uh, he actually did do a speech, but he was on a, a telecom, uh, tel you know whatever uh, okay. teleprompter. What not teleprompter? The what do you call it? Uh, remote remote. Sure, I know what you, I, I'm. I'm spacing on the word too, but I know what Vi- you're saying. Video video teleconference. Okay. So, so and and I, I forget what it was about, but somebody said he actually had some some good information. Um. But yeah, what was the question again? Well, I, I just, you know, the the biggest lesson learned, whatever the biggest takeaway from the conference was, um, and whether or not there was anything new or unique added to, uh, you know, the same discussion that we've been having for years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll say the same, same thing. It was just a, a meeting of the minds. And that was the main thing, the advantage of having it. Um, also, there was... Uh, different types of, of groups there. So you had, you know, uh, uh, some vegans come and prepare meal. They had like a little restaurant, um, that you had, uh, this lady, uh, teaching people about, uh, tantric sex and, uh, uh, orgasms and stuff, just crazy stuff like that. And then you had the, the ayahuasca, uh, tribes there. 
and uh so it wasn't it wasn't just uh I- ideological stuff it was more a, lo- a lot of stuff you know just to experience different okay. different groups um yeah so that all when, fall within that anarchist umbrella sure sure um i did have <clears throat> i guess I'll, I'll have to watch the video again to become a more more expert on it but i watched the video this guy he's he's claiming to be an, an accidental anarchist okay um, but his definition of anarchism uh isn't uh isn't what isn't our definition and oh, so don't get me started so, on that so he would uh he would include uh government by uh, direct democracy as part of anarchism and so where you don't where you don't elect leaders you just have people that want to participate in figuring out how to spend the the uh the town's money i guess um they everybody would come together and they would just decide directly like how much money goes to the school how much money goes to the hospital you know how much money goes to the roads sure um so but the only question is at that point well where does the money come from and if the money comes from gunpoint then uh yeah not not so great uh not but, quite anarchy yeah and that's and that's where uh he, he didn't go into it but i i would agree i mean if if you have some type of system um and and you don't have anybody sitting in those you know magical seats that gives them the power to do things that other people can't um then fine <laughs> you know? yeah i don't care how you do it uh just just, just do it and if i if if I want to be left alone, leave me alone. Like <laughs> a, di- a directly democratic society or community could be set up within the structure of an overall anarchist society. Yeah, yeah. right. You could you could pool your funds, and then everyone just you know takes a vote on how those funds get spent. Yeah, but his his main point was that in his analysis of. Uh, I guess macroeconomics and like you know changing the world and stuff. Uh, what what he found was that individuals acting on their own best interest, uh, or you know volunt- just voluntarily trying to solve problems, can often have a bigger impact than uh, some guy in a high government position because the guy in the high government position uh, doesn't know the outcome of uh, the thing that he's trying to uh, enforce. So he might try to change one little thing and that on the other end of the world, it could have some, you know, huge impact. Um, sure. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it's better when, when uh, people take it into their own hands to uh, solve problems because they, they do it more efficiently, effectively and on and on. Yeah, and I and that's almost seems antithetical for his desire for direct democracy, right? Because direct democracy takes it out of the hands of the individual acting and puts it into the individual voting for a specific action. So I don't. I guess I'm a little confused as to as to how he how he remedied and rectified that, you know. <laughs> 
Like, no, 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 the individuals must act, which is why we need direct democracy. It's like, well, no, that's, that's antithetical, right? You, if you have direct democracy, you don't have acting individuals. You have voting individuals and some sort of collective action. Right. And so then it, it could just matter the, the size too. Right. Like if, 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 it's a, if it's a local community getting together to vote on stuff that people voluntarily contribute to the community, um, well, that's that that's much more easily manageable than, let's say, uh, a huge city or an entire state or an entire country. Sure. Um, which is actually impossible, and and we see that happening over and over. Um, you know, you got Common Core. Uh, it's like just amazingly just idiotic <laughs> to oh my god to take a, take away the the power to uh, educate kids and and, and and let some bureaucrat decide uh how to teach kids and 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 and, and then behind that is, is is bill gates saying well we've got this testing software that we want all the kids to be uh, you know equally prepared to, to succeed at and it's like wow uh, couldn't yep. see that one coming, huh? <laughs> yeah. Again, common common core and see, and, and uh, most for Bill Gates' philanthropic endeavors, I don't really have a problem, right? You got your money, spend it how you want, advocate for what you want, and you know, as long as he's testing it out in markets that have no impact on me, um, fine. But I just every time I see a video on the atrocity that is Common Core. Uh, my head spins and freezes up at some point. I go, how the hell is that even a thing? <laughs> I, I, I even, I don't even know when this started, but I remember uh, my ex-girlfriend was taking classes at a community college and she was um, studying to be like a pharmacy technician. So she had to know like formulas and you know, how to, how to calculate the, the dosage of pills and whatever. And even then, right. She had this like weird, crisscross way to do the math right and i just remember like my basic algebra right no you just if you're looking for percentage it's just like something over 100 so you just solve for that right and so to, to assist her with her homework right i always had to like restructure uh restructure the the phrasing of the question into a way that i could understand the math you know the simplified way to do the math that I was taught um, as opposed to, you know, these weird charts and boxes and, you know, like the weird common core stuff where it's like, okay, what's 12 plus seven. It's like, okay, first you break down 10 plus two and then you have two plus seven and then you have 10 plus nine. And that's so much easier than 12 plus seven. Like, go, oh, what the hell? <laughs> <You know? laughs> just, just add the two numbers together. Man, you know? <laughs> It seems so small, so much simpler when I was in elementary school that they're over, they're overcomplicating it. And again, the, uh, the conspiracy theorist in me says they're overcomplicating it to make everyone seem dumb, right? The kids don't <laughs> understand it. So the kids feel dumb and then they take it home to the parents who also don't understand it. So the parents <laughs> seem dumb and the only people, the only smart people around are the, you know, the teachers, the ones in charge which gives you like you know a false sense of, of respect for authority because they're the only ones you can go to to get the right answer now 
uh, is, you know, the, the, the local authority figure. Could be. I don't know. And, and pretty soon the frogs turned gay. You know, you know what there was a lot of at Anarchapoco? Drugs. Conspiracy theorists. That I believe. <laughs> so the, the main one, uh, David Icke. Uh, he, he, actually, it, it was really good. And he hit on a lot of points that, you know, when, when it's, it's easy for the easiest way to get followers is to point out bad things. And then you become the expert on all the negative stuff and people just, people just eat that up. Right. Yes. Um, doesn't matter if it's Bernie Sanders or David Icke or, or, uh, the, the zeitgeist movement or, uh, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, See, oddly enough, I'm trying to get M to use that tactic in her business endeavors here because it's a proven method and model. Right. And she's having moral qualms about implementing it that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Please continue. So, yeah, David Icke, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was really interesting. I, I, I liked all of his points and a lot of stuff, you know, I, I believe in. But it, what what I don't do is I don't link all of them together and say, oh, see, all these dots connect. And it equals uh, the aliens are trying to uh, wipe out humanity. Yes. And that's that's the end the end goal. Um and uh and he puts uh I don't know if there's anybody in charge of George Soros and the other guy. Um uh what's what's the what's the counterpart to George Soros on, on the conservative side? Oh, I have no idea. I I can't remember his name. But anyway like I don't, a Rush I don't Limbaugh. Follow that. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, much richer, like super rich guy. But anyway, the Rothschilds. So, no, but that's okay. that's okay. All right, moving uh, on. His, his movie is going to be coming out um, probably June or July, something like that. So, well, everybody will have an opportunity to see it. What he's talking about, but um, but I, I I also think it's funny because um, if you listen to David Ike, you know, ten or twenty years ago. Um, he he had uh, he, he's still a conspiracy theorist, but he had, he he had different theories, right? And so now that we have all this new technology, uh, now now he's incorporating you know the the current trends in into his theories. So it's uh, to, to me it's kind of silly because like so it, it kind of um, invalidates what he's he said in the past, you know. Because he said, you know, before they were trying to do it this way, and and this is what's going to end up happening, and 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 now we have you know all this new technology and like artificial intelligence, and it's going to merge with humans, and 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 now this is the way they're going to do it, you know. So, it's a uh, that's that's when you can tell the difference between a conspiracy theory and a conspiracy uh, fact is when you know your theories change over time. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing about cons conspiracy theorists and, you know, their zealotous followers, right, is on the off chance that they get one right, that will be <laughs> heralded and, and sung from the rooftops. Uh, but every time they're wrong, it just gets ignored and shuffled, you know, uh, into right. the back burner until they're right again. Then they go, see, we, yeah. we told you. Uh, same Again, same with Alex Jones, right? He's, you know, probably the most well-known one on the radio, at least. Um, 
occasionally he's right. Right. It's just, it's, and, and so when you want to use that information, it's difficult because he has such a bad reputation for being wrong that at this point, even when he's right, uh, most people will ignore it. Um, and yet, you know, the, the real Alex Jones followers will, will again, shout that from the rooftop. See, we told you so. Um, now why don't you believe us when we talk about all the other stuff that he's wrong about? Um, and, and again, you know, for a while, right under, uh, under the Obama administration, uh, Alex Jones seemed very friendly to the ideas of Liberty, uh, right up until the point where Donald Trump became president <laughs> and he went back to like, you know, not that friendly anymore because, you know, he, he's friends with Donald Trump to the point where I think he had, he was interviewing Donald Trump, like during the candidacy. It was like one of the few radio shows that gave Trump a like legit platform instead of just trying right. to ridicule him <laughs> off the radio. Oddly enough. And so you got the rally, the troops around that, but yeah, that's the whole, that's the whole, you know, consp- that's the whole conspiracy theory model. Um, is, you know, throw a bunch of crap up against the wall, see what sticks, and then only point those out. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> and there was another guy saying that in, in the media that the, that they uh, put secret messages in the photos of terrorist events and so that you can predict when the, when and where the, the next one will be. And uh, that, was, that was kind of frustrating to watch. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but have you ever seen the video where Back to the Future predicts 9-11? Sure, sure. Um, I saw that, and uh, <laughs> I, I, the the best one was uh, about predictions was, was the one about um, uh, The Simpsons. Okay. And The Simpsons predicting uh, Donald Trump. And uh, and on and on and on. It just keeps going. Yeah, see, but they, they again, The Simpsons get a lot right. They're not conspiracy theorists. They they call the Simpsons time travelers. Like right. Matt Groening's a time traveler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but that's that's the conspiracy theory is that he's a time traveler. Yeah. Because they because again they've they've got you know for all that they do they've gotten so much right uh, a lot of the time. because so, it was more than just Donald Trump. It's like you know did you see this? Like uh, even recently it was like the Super Bowl predictions. Right. It's like, did you know that the Simpsons predicted the winner of the Super Bowl? Like every time they re-air it and change it. But I think I don't think people are zealous about that. I think people just find that to be um, amusing, fun. Yeah. yeah, amusing and funny. Right, anything else from Anarcho Poco? Um, I got to see uh, Larkin Rose. And really? The 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 one uh, takeaway I have from his speech was. Uh, He's talking about Frederick Doug- Douglass, and okay. and uh, in in his writings, he wrote that uh, taxation is worse than slavery. Wow. Okay. And this is from a slave, so <laughs> that's yeah. the important part. <laughs> I just I thought Larkin Rose wasn't going to make it for some reason or another, partially because you said you you were getting tickets from him. Um, and partially another group I was in on Facebook said that Larkin Rose was selling a bunch of other tickets, like all of us, you know, hmm. I don't know if he was either like hawking the tickets or I thought he was trying to get rid of, you know, some of his cause he wasn't going to be there. I, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. And I hope I wasn't giving away, uh, too much, uh, uh information to, uh, to, uh, Jeff, uh, because 
because I told him, you know, how I got here. He's like, I bought my yeah. ticket from Larkin Rose. I don't know if that was supposed to be a secret or not, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently not. Because Larkin, Lark, like I said, I got I got it from another group as well. Larkin was just like putting it out there that he had tickets for sale. Was you know, maybe, maybe he was it. gifted like twenty tickets by by Anarchapoco. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And you know, or maybe he was allowed to sell them. Like, hey, we're giving you this many. Like, yeah. See if you can get your followers to. Yeah. You know, well, I know to, to buy it. Transfers were allowed up until February eighth. Okay. So, um, you know, so if anybody wants to go next year, uh, and you want cheap tickets, just uh, you know, wait to the last minute, uh, and uh, but make sure your tickets are transferable. I also, I'm not a big fan of restricted ticket sales like that. Like, screw you! I already bought the ticket. I'll sell it and transfer it to whomever I wish because it's mine. I yeah, paid for but- it. But the way they did it wasn't a physical ticket. It was by a, a, a database. Okay. So if you buy the ticket, your name goes on the database, and that's how you get in is they check the database, and they give you a a, a wristband. Okay. So so that they know who is uh, there, or who is supposed to be there, and who's not. All right. Fair enough. I just... But yeah. The, the concept I, I seems very <laughs> airline industry-esque, and I've never been a fan sure. of that. Sure. What's that? And you bought the ticket and you can't go? You Sorry, you can't sell that to anybody and we have your money. If they want to go, they can buy a new ticket from us in their name. Well, at a certain point, they stopped selling tickets, though, also, I think. I might I might be wrong about that. But. Sure. And because, what's the incentive to sell more if they've already got the money from people not showing up? I don't know. I'm just, I, 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 I have I, ill will towards that concept, sure. regardless. I, I think it was more about coordination and... I believe and make, you. And making sure that they had, because they were also coordinating with the hotel, so the hotel had you. to know, to know who in advance was going to be there, and they had to basically plan for it. But understood, understood. I I get all that, and I go well. If Still it's not imp- good enough. <laughs> if it's a if it's an implementation problem, yeah, right? Then you have to find is. a solution for it. You right, know, right, right. You don't just go uh, because of this new fandangled computer system, you know. Like, you know, if, 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 if this were like an amusement park, right. Where they didn't have a database of names to buy tickets, right. I buy the ticket. I hand it to my friend. My friend goes into the amusement park, right. Sure. All of a sudden te- technological advances come to play and I buy a ticket for the amusement park, but I don't have a ticket. They have a database with my name on it. Right. And I want to send my friend in, in my stead, Right. How is how is their technological advancement so great that they can no longer solve the problem of my friend going in for a ticket that I paid for, you know, <laughs> without it, without it being a nightmare and a headache? I go, well, yeah. you have an implementation problem that needs to be solved. How do we solve that? As well, opposed to let's not allow transfers. Yeah, not their problem. Just don't allow it. <laughs> right, and I just as a business model, <laughs> I I'm very offended by that. Sure. Or as a business, not as a business model, as a business practice, I should say, I I do my best to not support that type of business as often as possible, because I think it's stupid. And and the businesses that have done it, and I've told them up front, it's stupid. Why would you model your ticket sales on the airline industry, whom everyone has a frustration about if they've ever tried to travel, um, and been had their tickets disrupted in some form or fashion? Bad model, bad model, bad idea. Implementation problem. Find a solution for it that allows that allows things to work like the good old days with your fancy technological advancements. 
Yeah, I wish all I'm saying. plane tickets, plane tickets worked the way you said. I just give my plane ticket to somebody else and they could get on, but no, no. It's... But no, right? That's what I'm can't, saying. You can't you can't transfer your ticket to somebody else. <laughs> so why would you model your sales after that? Whom nobody likes. That's all I'm saying. Sure. It's, it's a it's a pet peeve of mine. The other thing, I'm going to jump into this real quick because this is another pet peeve of mine. Um, are you? Are you um, well, this is a dumb question. Are you, Are you familiar uh, with the concept of mutualism? Or anarcho syndicalism, uh, sort of. Okay, it's confusing to me. Like it's one of those things that I'm. I try to wrap my head around, and I'm, and I'm like, nah, it's that's just stupid. Okay, so as as a self-identified anarcho capitalist here speaking to you now, uh, I feel it seems like mutualism is uh, on the rise a little bit, uh, because whereas most people had not heard of it before. Uh, I have now been accused twice uh, in as many weeks of being uh, a confused mutualist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're confused, for, all right. <laughs> for espousing the ideas uh, of anarcho-capitalism. Um, and I, get, I gave one mutualist, like, the benefit of the doubt. You know, he was like, well, you're too stupid to have an intellectual conversation with. And I went, all right, let's go for it. I'm bored. I'm at work. Uh let let's see what your intellect is like, because usually I just I I either parrot what they're saying because it's just as dumb um, as what they're saying, right? You're like you're not an anarchist, and I go, well, you're not an anarchist, you're just stupid. Well, you're just stupid. You yeah, know, I can't have an intellectual conversation with you because you're so stupid. I go, well, well I can't have an intellectual is, conversation with you because you're so stupid. If, go ahead. If your if your ideology is so complicated that that it it takes a certain level of intellectualism just just to understand it then it's then it's probably a bad idea probably and but here's the thing i don't necessarily consider the mutualist idea to be all that bad sure right i don't have a problem i have less of a problem with mutualists than i do uh ancoms or communist or you know socialist or anarcho-social like those people are a bigger problem within the anarchist community uh than the syndicalists in my opinion sure uh, but be- where, where where they're bad is is that they still distort the idea of, of property rights and language but yes property rights and language are there are the, like the two big sticking points as to why i don't consider myself to be a mutualist or anarcho-syndicalist, even though I'm, I am more sympathetic uh, to their ideas than I am other people's. Yeah. So, so a mutualist basically distorts things so that they can uh, have a limited amount of theft instead of you know communism, which is you know er- everything is at my disposal. Uh, mutualists say, well, only only sometimes I can steal right. and feel good about it. <laughs> and and so because you know and, and so we got into the whole discussion again of of why ancaps aren't real anarchists and i go well you're not a real anarchist either you know like and then yeah uh, and he trouted out the um the rothbard quote right or the rothbard idea that uh, even rothbard you know the granddaddy of anarcho-capitalism does not want to be called an anarchist um and so, and okay. so I had to point out, well, okay, it's technically true. 
technically true. Um, because uh, Rothbart at one point wrote an article, which I reread because I, I, I wanted to double, I wanted to verify my reasoning uh, that I, you know, so I, I, so I, what I told him was the main reason Rothbard doesn't want to be called an anarchist is because he doesn't want to be associated with you morons. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I reread the article and, and, right. and to my delight, <laughs> the gist of the reason why Rothbard does not want to be uh, called an anarchist is because he doesn't want to be associated with morons. Um, right. and if, and if traditional anarchist of the syndicalist and communist and socialist ilk, uh, are going to be the, the, uh, dominant projection of the anarchist ideals and philosophy, then yes, uh, Rothbard as a freedom loving anarchist, uh, does not want to be associated with that. So the term that Rothbard came up with was non-archist, uh, because, uh, in his mind, he and others like us, uh, are not anarchists in the moron sense of the word. Um, but we're also not status or archist in that sense of the word either. So we find ourselves without a label. Because we are not anarchists, and we are not archists. So Rothbard says non-archists. Uh, and to the best of my knowledge, <laughs> the most common working definition uh, of what it means to be a non-archist is an ANCAP. And so if you want to say that, you know, ANCAPs aren't real anarchists in the moron sense, well then so be it, you know. But at the same time, the, I the ideals and the ideas put forth by ANCAPs uh, are definitely within the the anarchist tradition of no rulers, which is all the term should mean. And the reason why I have to go over this every once in a while, because these people are morons, um, the reason I hyphenate is for the same reason Rothbard uh, rejected the title entirely, and that's to differentiate myself from the morons. And so as an anarcho-capitalist, uh, no rulers, right? And then the capitalist aspect of it is the voluntary interchange between consenting individuals, right? You, you have to let people associate and transact voluntarily. Um, otherwise, there's no way to resolve your position aside from becoming that which you declare to be immoral and that is the state or governing body or some sort of uh, hierarchical dictator um, over those two people trying to conduct business. Now, yeah. Well, I was I was still say it's 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 a difficult problem and it's never going to go away. Um, so the uh, what do you call it? Mutualists. Sure. They would they would say that uh, well you know you you can't rule over this piece of property. Um, it's like, okay, watch me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and they would say that in your defense of your property, you are becoming an aggressor against those who wish to take it. Right. Sure. Uh, and, and, and yet I'm not a pacifist, right? If, if you come to take what is mine or what I believe to be mine, um, and you are already using, uh, aggression to obtain it, right. Then either my aggression to defend it is within your principles, which allow aggression, uh, or is not against my principles because I allow for defensive violence. So I don't, so they, they, there's a struggle there to resolve it. However, 
I posed one simple example uh, to to this gentleman um, who was so angry um, about about me calling myself an anarchist, uh, even though I hyphenate, I hyphenate, I just hand cap is where it's at. Um, I said, you know, I said, okay, so you you have this scenario, two people, right? You have a, a the uh, the barber at a barbershop, and you have a homeless dude. The homeless the the barbershop owner offers the homeless dude five bucks to sweep the barbershop floor. Is that allowed? And then you know his his basic answer was no. Because that makes that's a hierarchical relationship where the the barber has now has dominion over the homeless guy because he's the one with the job and the and the capital and the homeless guy is subservient as the worker and so I need to point this out work with me for a minute MC um, the homeless guy could say no and he is no better or no worse off than he was prior to the offer. But in saying yes and exchanging his labor for a bit of capital, he is somehow worse off than had he said no in the minds of the mutualists. Does that make any sense? I'm sorry, what are the rules for the mutualists? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to try this again. Barbershop owner pays a homeless dude five bucks to sweep the floor. In, if, if you were a mutualist, uh, that that transaction is a violation of mutualist ideals and anarchist ideals because it, it uh, creates a hierarchical relationship between the barbershop owner and the homeless guy. The barbershop owner so, is the owner of capital. So the, 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 rule, the rule is there can be no hierarchy? Th- that's the problem with ANCOMs and mutualists and syndicalists is, number one, they say no hierarchy and they believe that the homeless guy sweeping the floor for money creates a hierarchy between the, the homeless guy and the employer, in this case, the barbershop owner. Okay, well, that's silly. but um, It's whether, very silly. But it doesn't, whether there's a hierarchy or not, doesn't doesn't matter. I mean, that's, I think, I think that's where one of the, the main problems in... Uh, in a, uh, I guess brain brain damage occurs, is <laughs> is when, is when people say there, you know, you know there must be a equality all around all the time, and and it doesn't it doesn't exist. Yes, it's, it's impossible. Um. So oddly enough, the conversation ended right in in him declaring that everything must be equal, but we were no longer able to converse because we were on unequal footing, as obviously he was much smarter than me. Obviously, yeah. obviously. Well, how can that be? If we're all equal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anywho. So yeah, and and one, so, one of the one of the first conversations I got in. This is kind of off subject, but uh, on on the way to the hotel was uh, a guy said, "Well, we were we were talking about race." There's a uh, a black black guy um, from Europe. He seemed like a like a football. Uh, well, soccer player. So French um, African American. Yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> well, not African American. He wasn't American at all. No, I got it. But I've, they've they've tried to pull that stunt before with black yeah. people from Europe. They call them, you know, 
European African Americans of some kind. <laughs> Because that makes all the sense in the yeah, world. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the term African American. I'd Neither do say I. Black. Um, but yeah, really cool guy. Um, but he he was he was talking about uh, kids and where you know basically you put them put them all in a classroom and and they they don't know anything about racism unless unless they're taught taught it from the outside. And I yep. say no, that's I said no, that's bullshit. Like you you put kids if if they're all the same age and you and you put them in in, in a classroom. Like eventually, one of them will be like, "No, this is my best friend," and that and and that other friend might be, like, "Yeah, this is my best friend." So so you got two people, and now you're, all of a sudden you have a click, and you have two people that think they're better than everybody else in the class, and and so, some of the other kids might want to be around them because they say they're the best, and and so they'll be a, a, you know have some type of a energy attracting them to each other, and and then uh, one of those kids might pick on one of the other kids maybe he's maybe because his skin color is different or maybe because he's fat or, or maybe he's because he's too skinny or maybe because he's stupid you know and uh and then all of a sudden uh you get more kids joining that 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 click because uh well they don't want to be picked on and so if they're in the click it's better than being out of the click and now you have a situation where you got a bunch of kids with if, if no sup adult supervision they might actually kill each other <laughs> right interesting I mean, get, given unchecked uh you know kids um it could devolve into you know lord of the ring or lord of the flies, lord of flies sorry sure it you know you just don't know um and so his thing was well they they have to learn hate from somewhere i was like no they don't they can come up with that all on their own <laughs> you know? that is true however they're at at a very early age it's yeah, very if talking, rare if you're talking four years old fine but once yeah. once you get into you know kindergarten and and where they're they're learning to communicate and and uh, negotiate, um, sure. then it's they need supervision. It, with without it, you're you're rolling the dice, and you don't like. <laughs> I mean, ha have you ever seen a kid like just like throw something at another kid? It happens all the time, and you have to say no. That's not appropriate. You know. <laughs> yes. But but I, w I will say at a young age, even in kindergarten, it is rare for the kid to throw something at another kid simply because of skin color. Oh, no, yeah. Like, I, mean, I don't I'm, not say I'm not saying okay. just because, but I'm saying for any reason, it, sure. it could could develop. And, yes. uh, and And if there just happens to be only, only one black kid, uh, I think eventually kids are going to push that boundary and be like, well, he's different, so... Yes. We'll pick him. We'll pick him last. Or if he's like really good at sports, and then, then they'll pick him first, and then they'll, it, they'll, their aggression will go towards uh, you know the the kid that's just stupid and you know can't hold a ball or whatever. You know. Oddly enough, that reminds me of a, a kid I went to elementary school with, uh, who was a black kid. He was he was black, and he was like new to the school. So he I think he came, I think he came to the school like either sixth or seventh grade or something like that. So he was like. Everyone else had gone to that school for like seven years together, basically. And then, you know, or most of us anyway. And then here he comes in like sixth or seventh grade to transfer in. So new guy from, I, man, oddly enough from Virginia, uh, I guess military. I don't remember all that much. Um, but, you know, there was, there was the group of kids who were, you know, considered the cool ones, right? They were in like the cool club. And I right. remember at, at one point, the black, <laughs> this, this black dude like walks up to one of the kids in the cool club and just asks him straight up, how do I join the cool club? <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And it was like, it's not really a thing, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know who told you this was a real club, <laughs> but we're all just kind of friends. Um, but he was, you know, he was good at basketball and I don't know if he ever made it into the cool club, but it was funny that he would ask like, you know, cause as you said, there was a group of kids who definitely, you know, assigned themselves together, uh, right. as, as that particular click. And there was definitely an outsider looking for a way in it just, and it just happened to be a black kid. Funny stuff. Yeah. But he was, I don't, I never witnessed anything, uh, Again, this is also Hawaii, so it's it's a little weird. It's a little it's a different yeah, place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't remember any anything bad or derogatory happening to him, simply for the fact that he was black. It was more that sure. he was the new kid, um, you know, coming in late and then you know, eventually you know getting getting on getting in on everyone's good side for the most part. Sure. Like I was never close friends with him aside from the fact that you know we we're both on. Uh, the basketball team for like a year but that you know that also had nothing to do with you know <laughs> his skin color because now right, i think about right. i think my best friend uh through elementary school was like a japanese dude or at least you know local japanese and those people went through a lot back then yeah and so obviously um teaching people to hate people uh, based on their skin color is totally wrong um yeah but it's um, more likely to develop as a learned behavior Although it can develop naturally, sure, sure. Um, but I, but I would say that uh, don't don't put kids that are all the same age in in a, in a room and and expect them to uh, act appropriately. Like, well, you, that's the problem like, with public schooling in general. There's, there, there's a fifty percent chance of it just turning out horribly. Yeah, and that's and that's what I I tried to tell them was was one of the biggest problems is is the age based uh, you know factory style. Uh, education system and that if if we could eliminate that and and have uh, a, w- a wide range of uh, maturity levels in in a classroom and and uh, you know everybody trying to help each other improve no matter what level they're at or what age yeah. they are um, I think it's a much more uh, good and a uh, much better environment but yeah uh, obviously that there's there's problems with that too um and i guess i'm not going to go into it too much but it's well it's also it's, more uh, realistic with the, within the real world once you get out of sure. that factory school system yeah and that that's what's really wonderful is, is is once you get outside of it and then like everything's different and it's like unless you, you know, go into the wh- military you can imagine <laughs> yeah. a bunch of 18 year olds hanging out with each other going who oh yeah uh, that's 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 typical uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i don't work with people my age now right my my friends are a, a vast swath of age ranges yeah you know we um you know we we have our meetup every tuesday night or so and there's you know people from all ages show up to that and we, you know like from 18 there's a kid that comes in from high school and he converses with all of us i mean he's a weird dude to begin with but he's admittedly a weird dude to begin with so it's a little different um all the way up to like an 80 year old guy 80 plus i would assume you know, I don't even know his real age, but shows up and, you know, has the same conversation or in, is involved in the same conversation as this 18 year old kid. Uh, but then the kid goes to school, right, where he's surrounded by only people his age and there's there's no enlightenment or diversity of, of experiences being shared there. Um, so he's got to come to dinner to get, you know, a fix on reality, I guess, for lack of a better term. 
I, I want to jump back real quick to what I was saying about the mutualist because the uh, I wanted the, the point that I wanted to make seems to be a theme or a topic uh, of the show as we as we progress and that's like the mind shift change that those people the mutualists the syndicalists the ancoms have to go through uh, in order to not seem like a victim of circumstance when dealing with real world issues and real world interactions, right? Like the, the homeless dude sweeping uh, for the barber, that's not going to go away no matter what, right? The, the only way for that transaction to be restricted is to have, you know, a totalitarian state disallowing it. Um, and that seems as antithetical to anarchy as you can get. So we have to assume that that relationship is going to be had no matter how the mutualists, no matter how the ANCOMs, no matter how the syndicalists feel about it. And the question becomes, well, who cares and why do you, um, and why they care is because they see it as a, a hierarchical situation, Right. And then, so my point in the conversation at that point became, well, you see it as hierarchical uh, because apparently no one has taught you the concept of a mutually beneficial exchange, right? Or a win-win situation uh, where the shopkeeper gets his floor swept and the, uh, the bum, the homeless guy gets his five bucks and both parties are made better off after the exchange. Right. So when you go to your job and you feel like a wage slave, right. Are you better off after the exchange? Like is it, are you, are you, you know, do you have a higher capacity to do other things having gone to work that day? Uh, and if the answer is no, then what else could you be doing to put yourself in that situation? where you know where you are better off after an exchange and you're not a mental slave um, because no one forced you to be there right your your boss did not have to offer the job at all he doesn't have to pay you anything um, and if you try to steal what's his you'll fail miserably because you have no idea how to utilize the tools and the capital that he's obtained through whatever however whatever means let's assume um let's assume, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Proper means, uh, you know, not, not stolen, not coerced, not state funded in any way, but just, you know, on the level, you know, capital accumulation, um, you don't know how to use it because you don't have the experience because you haven't done the same things that he's done. You are unequal to him in that respect. Uh, but that's okay. Right. Because are you, the, the real question is, are you better off after the exchange? And if you are better off, then you're not a wage slave, right? That was a mutually beneficial exchange of dollars for labor that you chose to enter into. And he, and, and, you know, so the other question that came up was what obligation does the shop owner have to keep you alive? Right. If, if, if not to hire you to do something, right. How much of his accumulated capital that he's acquired through labors of his own, Right. Is he required to expend on your behalf to keep you alive without you giving anything in return? And that's when I was called a moron and stupid and not a real anarchist. Yet again, um, 
because I don't see how under a mutualist system or a anarcho-communist system or a syndicalist system, uh, will those things not be allowed? And if so, doesn't the people preventing it, uh, haven't they created their own state and their own hierarchy by disallowing mutually beneficial voluntary exchanges amongst consenting individuals? And I go, the biggest reason to be an ANCAP is because it allows for that freedom across the board without setting up a structure, without setting up a hierarchy, and most importantly, without setting up a state. MC? Um... Some of the mutualists I talk to, um, they don't they don't limit uh, hierarchies as far as or they don't see uh, trading money for for work as as a hierarchy. Um, so the individual you talk to is way off the deep end, and it just I I can't comprehend what he's trying to get across. Um, the mutualists that I've talked to uh, are more worried about. Um, ownership of uh you know, well property and so they, sure the barber they, who owns the barbershop right um and that well they would say that's okay but if somebody has a factory that the factory owners should own you know some of the factory or factory workers should own some of the factory um, they should and under a capitalist structure they can right there's um, nothing preventing that situation from occurring and also if uh, the, the main thing was just like just property in general, if if one person is using it, that means another person can't use it. And so they that's what they have a problem with. Um, and so and so they yeah, it's just. Um, so they have a problem with know, natural scarcity. Well, pro property ownership must be dealt with some way. Um, a mutualist would say, well, if if it's a. Uh, if it's property like like we understand it, then then there must be a government uh, to enforce that that property. And I and we would say no, there doesn't have to be a government. There just has to be some defense of it. You know, yeah. whether whether you pay for that defense or do do it yourself. Koreans uh, that's, with that's rifles on their it. shops in the ghetto, right? During a riot, um, no state intervention required. So so yeah, I think uh, it's it's pretty simple. Um, there there was another. I wish I had it. It was a, a meme that that was pretty good, and it was it was probably some you know important person saying it. But it's basically like it said, uh, "Well, know what's yours, know what is not yours, and then so on." <laughs> you know, it started, sure. but it started with that. You know, it's like it's like it, the a lot of the the isms try to get people to believe they own things that are that are not theirs. Like, oh, I worked at the factory, therefore I should own the factory. Like, no, like it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that. <laughs> yes. Like, you, you just started yesterday. You don't you don't own any of the factory yet. Like, maybe maybe you could buy some of it or negotiate for some of it. Right. And and if you can't get what you want, uh, maybe you should go to a different factory. Right. But and and the same philosophy, right, that would advocate for and allow for the taking of the factory by the workers, must also allow for the taking of the factory back by the employer because there's there's nothing <laughs> there's no real difference uh between between one overtaking the other aside from the fact that you know they they have a a proclivity to allow for the lesser of people to commit the violent acts 
um, and not for the betters of people. Yeah. But it, and, and universally, the main, reason, the main reason why somebody would want to own the factory is because they know what to do with it better than uh, a group of, of factory workers. And that's why they're successful is because they know how to manage it. Right. And as long as they can, de- and, and again, as if they can defend it against, you know, a, a violent takeover by the workers, then that still would fall within the purview of, you know, of the mutualist uh, philosophy and allowance of violence. Right. You, you took it from me. I can take it back from you. Now we're on the same page and we're all equal on equal footing in that respect. So also, again, makes no sense. It's either acceptable within their philosophy or acceptable within my philosophy to defend it because I allow for defensive violence against those who aggress. All right. Final thoughts or anything else to add? Um, no, no. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. It was a pleasure having you back, MC. Uh, you guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com, minds.com slash the anarchist experience. And even though you hate Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience, because you don't donate anyway, so I'm not taking the page down. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.